So and a, a welcome everyone. It's terrific to see all of your your faces from all around the country and indeed um, from uh, from overseas as well. And people still coming in uh, now. Um, before we start um, anything, um, one of the things that um, has been um, become a very important part of global philanthropic and we've been taught by by our clients is uh, to acknowledge country which of course in the time of zoom is um, is is something which is which is genuinely interesting because there are so many countries being represented in this case the topic of our our conversation is bergman college in canberra and so uh, amelia um before even before i introduce you i wonder whether you um would would be able to uh, to acknowledge the country that you're that you're on Absolutely. Thanks, Colin. Um, hi, everyone. So I'd like to start by acknowledging that Sally and I are joining you from beautiful Nambri Ngunnawal country in Canberra. Um, Colin is joining from Awabakal and Waramai country in Newcastle. And Chanel and Sona are joining from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation in Sydney. Um, on behalf of the panel, I pay respect to elders past and present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples or First Nations peoples joining our discussion today. And I'd like to invite all participants to just take a moment to reflect on the deep history and incredible legacy of countless generations of traditional custodians who have cared for country across Australia for millennia. And uh, just note that this is a care from which we all benefit greatly. Thank you. Superb, Amelia. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very briefly, um, some, some introductions. My name's Colin Taylor, as, as Sona said, I'm the, um, the, the Vice President of Asia Pacific and uh, Senior Consultant with Global Philanthropic, um, as Amelia said, based in Newcastle. Um, and joining me on the panel today are Sally Renouf, who is the Principal of Bergman College um, in Canberra, Amelia Zaraftis, the Director of Advancement, um, and my colleague, um, Chanel Hughes, um, who is in, in Sydney. Um, this conversation is going to be exactly that. It's going to be a, a conversation about the journey that, um, that Bergman College has, uh, has been on in the last seven years. And I think and I hope and I trust that it'll be an instructive journey um, because there's so much that, um, that uh, we've so much ground that the college has, has covered and so much that it's, uh, it's discovered. Um, so we're going to start um, by talking a little bit about, um, about what this, this session is going to be about, then talk about the early days of advancement at, uh, at Bergman, um, what we've, we've done together, so Bergman and, uh, and Global Philanthropic in our work together, a bit of a summary of, uh, of where we are now, and then we have a bonus section right at the end, um, because, and I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to throw forward to it just to give you a little bit of a teaser. One of the things that happened along this seven-year journey is that Amelia decided to jump from being the deputy principal of Bergman and indeed the acting principal at the time into full-time advancement. And um, I think that's such an interesting story that, um, that we've got to, uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't, uh, didn't speak about that. So what are, we, what are we about? We want to share the learnings along the way. Um, we want to encourage everyone who hasn't started on this journey to, uh, to, to get started. We want to share our learnings and our, the things that have gone well and the things that haven't gone well, and to give a forum for, uh, for a bit of uh, conversation. Sally, does that sound about right to you? Yeah, it sounds fun. I'm very excited to be here. Hi, everybody. Terrific. Well, why don't we start then by, uh, by Sally, give us a little bit about, um, about what Bergman College is. 
Absolutely, thank you. Hi everybody. Uh, so Bergman College, we are an independent not-for-profit university residential college and we're home to 378 students of the ANU here in Canberra. Uh, one third of our community is postgraduate and they live in self-catered apartment uh, style living and two thirds are undergraduate catered residents. So three meals a day in our dining hall. Uh, we provide um, really a supportive community designed, uh, we hope to empower residents to become all that they can be so that they can then go on to make their most valuable contribution in the world. So we like to think that they come to the ANU to get a degree, but we really do play an important role um, in that education. So we were founded in 1971 by five Christian churches, um, but we have sort of an all faiths and none approach. We have a very strong ethos of respect, egalitarianism and inclusivity. So that's really thanks to our founding master, Professor David Griffin. Uh, the college is named in honour of Bishop Ernest Henry Bergman, and he was the Anglican Bishop of Goulburn, known for being very passionate and uh, outspoken about social justice and civil rights. We're very pleased to be named in his name. Uh, some of the other proposed names weren't successful, thankfully. We were almost named Farlap College, so very near miss there. Uh, we do, uh, one of our really core themes is egalitarianism. Uh, so we have quite a non-hierarchical um, view. Uh, everyone is on equal footing, whether you're a first year or a PhD student. And how this plays out in terms of our values and governance, it goes right to the structure of the college. So we have residents who sit on our highest governing bodies and they have a say in the running of the college, but also bear that the responsibility that comes with uh, being a board, a director of, of our board. And they really do rise to this challenge. And I have to say, we absolutely make better decisions um, for it. So we're very lucky in that sense. Uh, um, so today we're a community of 378 residents, 22 staff and a wide network of alumni and friends. Um, for me, what I think is special about Bergman is that myself and my family, I've got two daughters, our deputy principal and our dean all live on site. And that seems to be a, a de decreasing thing in our, in our uh, residences uh, in, in these days. Uh, we find that that really contributes um, to a feeling of that Bergman is a family and that residents are part of that family. And we think that it helps um, make them feel safe in their home away from home. We also are really proud to have a residential fellows program. So a number of academics of the ANU and community professionals choose to call Bergman home. Um, so we have Professor Asmi Wood from the College of Law who lives with us. Uh, we have the head, head of the ANU School of Music, Pro Associate Professor Kim Cunio, and also the wonderful um, Lara Nichols. She is a former assistant curator at the National Gallery of Australia and currently doing her PhD at the ANU. Um, so these brilliant academics are sitting at our dining tables with our residents. Uh, and so in terms of academic and personal development, I mean, there's just not really anything, anything like it. Um, so we really have a very strong residential staff profile. We have very significant um, dedication to pastoral care. It's a whole of community approach. Uh, all of our staff have volunteered to do the Youth Mental Health First Aid program. Um, and that just helps us all look out for each other and just um, as a community, really. Uh, we do have some very big plans too. So we just did our um, master plan and launched that in 2021. And a really big feature of that is Bergman Space, Berg Space. Uh, and that's the idea of building a, a dedicated engagement and education space that would be just a really amazing resource, not only for Bergman residents and alumni, but for the university and the wider community. Uh, it would be everything from a seminar space, tutorial study spaces, uh, a better music studio, drama, art, that kind of thing, and um, also being able to accommodate distinguished guests and speakers in some apartments. Um, so really, it's that whole person approach. It's the development of character. It's uh, resilience. 
building adaptability teamwork that we're really focused on. It's not just a bed where people come and, and, and sleep while they're studying at the ANU. So we are in our 50th year, which um, I think has heightened that sense of community spirit and maybe nostalgia for some of our alumni and friends. And it's a great leverage point for us. So we've been sharing stories and inviting people to reflect on their time at Bergman with a view to then helping us continue into our next 50 years. That's a bit about Bergman, yeah. I could ask you, Colin, the same. What's Global Philanthropic all about? Thanks, Ali. So um, to start with, Global and, um, and Bergman have been working together for a while now and, and quite intensively for, uh, for the last three years. Um, Global Philanthropic is a, is a consulting firm that works both in philanthropic, um, philanthropic strategy, so fundraising strategy um, for organisations that want to do um, great work um, in that space. And we also work with philanthropists. We're one of the few uh, firms that work on both sides of the ledger. Um, we're based in London, but we have four of us working um, in Australia. If you go back the 20 years that we've been in existence, you find that variously lost in the, his the, the mists of time. The organisation was formed in Hong Kong, but it was first incorporated in Sydney. So we've got Australian, Australian roots. Um, and delighted to say that Bergman was my first client when I joined um, a Global Philanthropic three years ago, and it's been a marvellous journey um, together. So without further ado, I'm going to invite my colleague Chanel, um, who has also worked um, intensively with me and with, uh, with Sally and Amelia, to uh, just have a chat about um, the early days of advancement at Bergman. Hi, everyone. Um, Sally, can I start asking you a question about how you have historically managed uh, your relationships with alumni? Yeah, so I think um, it's... It's been a bit hit and miss, to be honest. Same with our, our fundraising and philanthropy. Um, it's been a bit stop and start, I guess, really. So I think everyone um, really understood the value of what we were doing at Bergman, but then that continuing of that relationship post um, when they've actually been been here has sort of um, ebbed and flowed with, with the different level of resourcing and energy at the time. Um, so some of the, the fantastic things that have um, been developed over time is our Bergman College Alumni Association, which was established in 2011. Again, it was sort of driven by the enthusiasm and commitment of various people over the years. Um, it's certainly been revitalised um, uh, more recently and they're playing a really integral role in our 50th celebrations. Uh, which I'm sure we'll get to it at some stage. But um, we've also developed um, since 2013 a Bergman Alumni and Friends Mentoring Program. Uh, that's probably the most consistent engagement for the last seven years. And we've had a phenomenal response from our alumni. So we set up the program in 2013 and it pairs residents with alumni and friends in the community to help residents and alumni uh, build professional and personal connections. And we just asked two coffees over a semester, but we find that actually... They often go well and truly above and beyond uh, that, and it can lead to some phenomenal uh, connections and stories. So it started in 2013, I think, with only 20 mentors, and it's grown to over 100 mentors, thanks to actually Amelia's um, really hard work over the years. Uh, and residents just, and also alumni say, what a phenomenally um, valuable resource that is uh, and program, because uh, it's giving back, and it's, I don't think alumni realise how much <laughs> they have to give back, uh, and, and residents are just so grateful for the advice uh, and information. Yeah, so that's probably alumni. Fantastic. And Amelia, how has the college managed its fundraising alongside of that? Um, I think it's probably important to go back even before 2013 and understand that um, the way that fundraising's happened at Bergman has also been a bit stop-start. And um, 
we've had projects, small projects rather than an ongoing program in place. So there's been um, opportunities for our alumni to donate to things like sponsoring a chair to be made so we could um, furnish the, the boardroom table, for example, um, or uh, there was a naming of a door initiative. So um, at some point, I think it might even be before Sally's time, um, members of the alumni community could sponsor to have their name um, on a little plaque above the door of the bedroom that they lived in uh, when they were at the college. Um, but sort of in terms of fundraising, we haven't had a consistent annual giving program in place. We haven't got a bequest program. There's no endowment fund, um, that kind of thing. So what's been um, really exciting for me to learn about and, and really interesting um, for the college as a kind of community to come to understand is that um, those, those longer term um, projects or programs are really important. Um, and this idea of, of building a culture of giving in our whole community. Um, so I think in the past, there's been some fundraising targets that have been set that have been unrealistic and, and haven't been met. Um, and we haven't had also uh, a really excellent database um, that we can, you know, maintain really good records and, 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 and um, uh, manage our relationships with our alumni. So um, one of the funny stories in terms of fundraising is that we actually, until as recently as 2019, had a hard copy um, receipt book for our donations. So we didn't even have a digital record of um, the, the people who were donating to the college um, over the years. And it's been a really interesting process to go back through those records and, and understand what they are. One of your uh, one of your special traditions at um, Bergman is Luigi's. Can you talk a little bit more about how that fits into your program? Yes, absolutely. Um, so first of all, Luigi's is um, is a morning tea of scones with um, jam and cream, tea and coffee. Uh, it's hosted every Sunday morning at eleven a.m. by uh, one of the members of residential staff, so the principal, the deputy, or the college dean. Uh, or from time to time, one of our residential fellows. And the idea is that the whole community is invited and whoever would like to join um, can come along. So uh, at the start of this year, we actually had a, uh, a Luigi's event um, to kick off the 50th anniversary celebrations. Uh, it fell on Valentine's Day at the start of the University O Week. And we had residents and alumni join us for that event. Um, and we've got a lovely video actually that I'm going to ask Sona to play for us all, uh, which gives you a sense of the story of Luigi's and, um, and the value of Luigi's in our community. Luigi's is a morning tea where staff and residents come together informally on a Sunday morning just to catch up with one another, talk about you know the events of the week or things that they've read in the news, just spend time together and in an informal way get to know one another better. For me, Luigi means a lot. Three years ago when I came up to Canberra, I didn't know anyone. Sunday Luigi is the best way to get to know people. I met so many, so many fabulous, amazing people. It's the college's 50th anniversary this year. We had 
uh, some members of our alumni who have a special connection to the college come back and share stories with our residents. So can we please welcome um, Robin and Jill just to tell us a little bit about their love story and they both uh, met at Bergman. Now, believe it or not, because we look much too young, I came here in the very first year, 1971, and Jill in 1972. What a privilege, especially as we found each other here. That, however, took a couple of years, even though we were both just along the corridor of Homer 3. It's a bit emotional coming back here because 17 years of my life have been lived under a Bergman roof. A friend of mine who was an uncouth forestry PhD student used to refer to me as Luigi. Louis Lu Luigi. So when my wife at the time and I started serving um, a sort of a Saturday pop-up coffee and scones in flat two, it was always coffee and scones at Luigi's. Luigi's uh, for me is much more than just a morning tea on a Sunday. It's an institution and something so important to our community. It means a chance every week to get to know the community a little better. It's just a great way to meet the whole community and to really connect with Boom College at large. So I think it's an invaluable part of the experience you get here. I think Luigi's is really special because on a Sunday sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, what am I going to do today? And then you go down and the whole college is there and you can have a scone and tea and talk to people you may not have spoken to before. And it's a really fun um, collegiate atmosphere and, yeah, very special to Bergman. So that's why Luigi's, I think, is special. So, so why is Luigi's, why do you think Luigi's is particularly an important point of engagement for your community? Um, I think it's part of the social fabric of the college and it's something that is really, um, so many of our residents have experienced across the span of our existence. I kind of think of it as a bit of a gossamer thread that links so many people over a scone. <laughs> uh, but it's about community and being social and caring. It's our touch point to check in with residents without actually doing a check-in. Uh, and it goes well and truly. It's just got a life of its own now. It's post past Luigi's at Bergman. Uh, so what comes to mind there is uh, um, Amelia's hosting a virtual Luigi's for our alumni across the world. So there'll be Luigi's in Texas and London. Uh, we even did Luigi's in lockdown, which was a nice point for um, residents who were stuck interstate in lockdown. Uh, I've even had alumni tell me that they met up with another um, Bergie and they ordered Devonshire tea because scones are just a very Bergman thing. Uh, so it's those values and those um, stories that are, that are lived and shared uh, across the community, across the time. And um, it's just a reminder that those touch points are the constant foundation of values over the 50 years that, that um, link people. Fantastic. Um... Thank you very much um, both. I'm just going to move us on to the next the next section now because that gives us an enormously a wonderful sense of, of where you've come from. Um, let's talk a little bit here about what what we've done together. So the last focusing now on the last several years of uh, of developing, bringing together all of those those common threads that um, that started that that proved such fertile ground for advancement um, at uh, at Bergman. Um, to where you are today. So let's let's start with Sally. You've you've been along for this this journey with that we have been on together, right? <laughs> before, in fact, from before I was working for Global and before you were were, were principal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I 
think, I mean, I've been at Bergman since 2010 and in the principal role since 2016. And so I think it was when I first became principal then that I realised pretty quickly that we could only get income sources from mainly three places, which was resident fees, which we try and keep as low as possible. Our summer conference and day business, which again is quite restricted because we have residents in-house uh, all the time, or through donations and philanthropy for which we had no program. So we had a number of amazing applicants to the college, but we just didn't have enough bursaries or scholarships to hand out. And I didn't want to, I didn't know about alumni relations and I really didn't want to do a misstep and, or um, offend anybody and ask the wrong way. So I just decided to avoid alumni at all costs and, and actually go to the corporate world. Um, so I actually wrote to a business person in January 2016 because I just had this really lovely resident and I wanted to be able to invite them to the college, but they couldn't because of financial reasons. I hadn't met this person before and had absolutely no connection. I had literally just Googled rich people Canberra and his name had popped up. Uh, and so I was reading news articles about him and, I, and what stood out to me were his quotes. So I really had the sense that aside from being an exceptionally impressive and self-driven self-starter, he had a vision. Uh, and so he was talking about the success of his team and encouraging young people to jump into the unknown and to expect to work hard. So all, you know, things that resonated uh, and were ab admirable leadership qualities. And so I had nothing to lose. So I just wrote, wrote him a letter. Uh, and so he read my letter to his great credit. And then he actually invited me to his office for a meeting with him and his chief financial officer and when I sat down after thanking him just amazed that he bothered to actually meet he said um I said I was from Bergman and he said his mum had worked at Bergman for 10 years as head of the catering <laughs> many years ago so that was quite lucky um and thankfully he was um he very kindly supported our scholarships for a number of years but it was that experience that made me realize just how essential this world was that we hadn't actually even looked at uh, and, and, and been able to resource uh, in a consistent and effective place. So we, I recognised we needed support and advice. We didn't have the talent in-house. Uh, and I recalled that we had done some work with a company called Global Philanthropic in around 2013 or 14, but I had never actually seen the plan that came from it. So I found a hard copy and I wrote to Nick Jaffa and said, hi, Nick, um, you know, could, you know, can I catch up? And, and so we actually actually started there and I suppose the, the rest is, is history. <laughs> Indeed and I've seen Nick's actually on the call which is a shout out to you Nick um, and I guess that's that's where we started quite quite the journey together that started with a case for support. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> started with a case for support it's uh, that launched into the context of Bergman at the time that led to uh, taking that that case out to uh, to to market, to, to Bergman's alumni community, to some planning, and um, and then to some some assistance with with implementation. So I just let's visit each of those those ones in in turn. So, Chanel, would you comment on on the case for support? You were central to that that very initial work. Yeah. So um, so developing the case for support was really about um, uh, very strongly developing uh, Bergman's story. Um, so a case for support is um, it's essentially a donor prospectus. Uh, that you present to prospective donors um, the, the argument for why they should support your institution and why they should urgently do so now. Um, and in the first draft of that case, uh, uh, Sally and the Bergman team wanted to test potential support for several priority needs. Um, chief amongst those was renewal of the undergraduate rooms um, which actually dated back to the college's origins in 1971. So they um, they urgently needed to be renovated, particularly in the context of newer, more modern facilities coming in next door. 
Um, so that was um, the main priority. And then also testing um, the potential support for scholarships and bursaries, um, particularly for First Nations students, rural and regional students, international students, uh, and a hardship fund. Um, and I think we also, um, we also talked about some sustainability projects, uh, like inst installation of solar panels to see whether there was any appetite for philanthropic support for that. Um, so as part of telling that story, it was really important to capture Bergman's vision um, and the voice of the college and all the things that Sally and Amelia have already talked about that make Bergman very special um, to be able to resonate with uh, its potential supporters and particularly with its alumni. Um, so to do this, uh, we reviewed all of the documents, all the possible documents relating to the college, including strategic plans, um, the history of the college, uh, marketing and, and communications documents. Um, but the critical piece was actually the stakeholder interview. So I actually spoke with 18 um, different stakeholders of the college. Um, this included the executive leadership, um, the council members, uh, alumni of the college from different years, um, the staff members at every, every point of contact through the college, um, and also current residents, because it was really important to get that sense of personal impact. Um, and this was important both to get the 360 degree view of the college, uh, but also even more importantly, to actually capture the really personal and emotional content that would resonate with potential donors. And that's what went into developing the first iteration of the case. And how did that case land back at the college, Sally? Yeah, uh, really well because it was so. It was such an egalitarian approach to to it. Um, it was very collaborative. Uh, so what it really helped us articulate was what we live and breathe. So we understand what the experience is, and we think um, we we do something really um, uh, well together with our staff. But we had not actually worked out how to articulate that to anybody outside of our community. So that case really helped uh, really work out the structure of what what it is that's unique um, to the college because every hall of residence or every college will say you know similar things so what is it what's your value proposition really uh, and also identifying what would you like to fund in what way and and what's for why why would anybody want to support you in doing that and so then we we worked together um sally to come up with a, a list of of alumni some of whom were engaged with the, with the college already some of whom that had never really been contacted to see if they would have a conversation with me as an, an independent third party about the case for support um, in order to test that uh, that case, and just speaking from my from my own perspective, that was a um, that was a truly inspiring um, inspiring inspiring experience because some of the stories that came back from those conversations were remarkable. Um, I remember I remember a conversation with a parent, um, a current parent of of one of the residents at the college, who who said this this beautiful this beautiful quotable quote which said my son has some challenges um, we were worried about him moving away from Sydney um, to go to Canberra to, to university but we know that when he's at Bergman he'll never fall through the cracks which was a, a, a beautiful thing and that it had been inspired by reading the case and and so forth and if I recall correctly that person called the college after my interview didn't they and, yes very kindly um, offered to, to create a new hardship um, fund and so they immediately donated and have since donated um, regularly to that so that was really special. 
very special. And I think what, what the market study found was, was that people were waiting to be engaged with. They were ready to be engaged with. They were ready in the right way to be, to be asked. And they gave us some really robust feedback, as, as these, these studies do, really robust feedback on, um, on the wonderful case. Um, and it, it steered us in a direction, didn't it? It told us that there were some things that were really resonant and really were going to work if we asked for them. And there are some things that really weren't. And so it gave us an opportunity to, um, to really hone our plan, in fact, which was the next stage of, of all of this. And so, Amelia, I'm going to ask you about, about that because you're the, you're the recipient of that plan, really, aren't you now? Yes, fortunately. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so based on the, the plan that Global Philanthropic um, produced for the college um, and the the processes that Colin and Janelle have just been talking about, we, we knew that our alumni community believed that it was actually really imperative and for the college to be doing this work and, and in, including doing fundraising. Um, we also knew that families were expecting to be asked and, um, and people generally wanted, people wanted to, to contribute. Um, the fundraising plan, um, it includes things like um, increasing our donor relations and, and alumni engagement, just generally. Um, there's an intention in the fundraising plan for major gift fundraising, for project fundraising, um, to, to start conducting annual appeals, to increase um, the, the way that our uh, website, or just to improve our website, but also to have a fundraising presence on our website. Um, and things like a bequest program and, and looking ahead towards having some, uh, something like an endowment. Um, interestingly, I was in the role of um, acting principal in the second half of last year, and we didn't yet have a uh, director of advancement appointed for the college. So um, what, what we managed to do was keep the support of Global Philanthropic and work in this kind of hybrid way um, through the throughout last year um, and across into this year um, when the Director of Advancement uh, position was filled in May. Um, but fortunately, we were able to put in place an advancement support officer in December, and that was absolutely crucial. We were... Um, we were we had big plans and we had not very many resources to get them started. So um, we we're really fortunate to be able to appoint actually a member of our young alumna um, community um, to that role. And basically, we've just been working in parallel um, with Global Philanthropic uh, and been the beneficiary beneficiaries of some really fabulous um, scaffolds to help us uh, in in uh, in this space to help us succeed. And it's been a pleasure, Amelia. Um, let's talk about where we are, where we are now. Um, Chanel. Yeah, so, so Amelia, obviously this year with the 50th anniversary, it's been a, um, a really important uh, point of leverage um, in terms of moving some of these things forward. So what are the projects that you have underway this year? Um, I might share my screen if that's okay. Um, I've got a couple of PowerPoint slides to support this next is that short? Can everybody see that well? Great. Um, so one of the things that we have um, really focused on in our 50th year is, of course, our engagement activities. Um, we have a, a whole um, program of events 
um, scheduled for throughout the year that we're inviting our alumni um, to, to attend. Um, but in particular, we have our 50th anniversary Back to Berg Alumni Weekend um, scheduled for August, which we're slightly nervous about, if I'm honest, at the moment with all of the COVID things. But fingers crossed it'll be okay. Um, so in addition to that, um, as I mentioned before, we've been increasing our communications and, um, and our presence on the website. Um, we've got this Lost Alumni campaign um, where we've published lists of all of our alumni who we've lost contact with on our website and we're asking our community to um, give us the information um, or pass the updated details form along to our alumni so that they can get back in touch. Um, we also launched our inaugural alumni awards program this year. So previously we had a program in place that was for the highest level of recognition for our honorary fellows program. And this year we've got a now um, a tiered program in place which recognizes distinguished um, outstanding members of our alumni community as well as a staff um, award and a volunteer um, award. Um, this sort of builds on the Bergman Alumni Mentoring Program as one of our key um, engagements that was already in place. And that's, um, that's also online now. People can join up at any time. Um, alongside all of that, um, there's some lovely data here for you all. So our, we know that we have more than 7,500 alumni, but we have um, 7,500 accounts in our database. Um, as you can see there, the st statistics about who we have postal addresses for, um, how many of those um, contacts are actually contactable by email. Um, and Chanel has told me uh, many times, and it's, it's such a disappointing fact, that 20% of email uh, people change their email address each year, 20%. Um, so since, since we've been doing this work, we've found 64 of our alumni and uh, we've had 197 people update their details via the online form. Um, so some of those might not, be, might not have been lost, but they have um, reconnected or refreshed their contact details. Um, and then, of course, we've conducted our first um, annual appeal um, which is to upgrade our undergraduate courtyard, uh, which has a barbecue area. It's on the, the back lawn of our community, which is um, effectively the backyard of our community. And um, we have had a barbecue area there for a very long time. It's looking quite tired. Um, so we've had, as I said, fantastic support from Global Philanthropic to, to help us understand how to go about running an appeal. Um, it's, in, it's included um, doing a direct mail, hard copy mail out, um, an email campaign. And um, we've learned a lot actually through the process. So we've, we've had 43 donations. Um, this was launched just in, the, in early June. So in a month or so, we've had this fantastic response. Um, uh, we've raised 45,000 and our average gift amount has been over $1,000 per gift. Um, and one of the, the really interesting learnings is that um, our parents, the parents um, of our residents were actually 
by far the highest um, contributors to that process. So we've raised about 26,000 of that amount directly from parents of alumni or, or current residents. Um, so we've had 11 parents contribute. We've had 13 members of our alumni contribute um, and that, uh, that raised about 5,000 of the amount and then seven of our council members. And that's a really, um, a really big change in the behaviour of our council. So that's been really positive to see as well. So, so um, Amelia, there have been some um, some special kind of unexpected highlights into uh, in the activities that you've done over the last couple of years. Uh, can you elaborate on on some of those, some of the special things that have that have happened? Um, yep. Are you are you prompting me, Chanel, to talk about things like the First Nations Arts Initiative and things like that? Yes, and your incredible uh, resource of your app. Fantastic. Okay. Um, uh, I, so I'll start with the app, which is just delightful. Uh, one of our, um, at the time, current residents um, built an app for our alumni community to connect with one another. Um, and it is incredible. Um, so we were able to launch that app in 2019 and we've been encouraging members of our alumni to join and, um, and network with one another um, in that space. Um, it's been um, really successful with um, our younger alumni because we can get all of our current residents to join the app and then um, they stay on the app going forward and become part of the broader alumni community. It's, um, it's a work in progress in terms of um, getting um, a lot of our um, older alumni to be a part of that community. Um, but th those who have joined um, can upload memories and share stories. They can publish articles. Um, and it's just, it's incredible the, um, the amount of potential in, in that the app that Christopher created. Um, I'll go on to talk about, is it the First Nations Arts Initiative, Chanel? Yeah. So um, as everybody is aware, we've just come through the most, well, actually, we might not quite be through, but we've just come through the most incredible um, time with um, COVID. And I'm, I'm sure that many um, of the participants today would have experienced closing their communities down or significantly um, reducing uh, resident numbers and things last year. Um, Alongside the pandemic last year, we had a meeting of our reconcilia Reconciliation Action Plan um, working group. And um, we have, the college has a really special relationship with this remarkable Indigenous elder in Canberra called Auntie Matilda House. Um, and we saw that there was a portrait of Auntie Matilda um, on show in the National Portrait Gallery um, prize and also uh, later exhibited in the National Gallery and um, people in the committee wanted to wanted to honor our connection and commitment to um, First Nations people and our and our sincere relationship with Annie Matilda by purchasing this work for the college. Um, it was an interesting time to decide to fundraise for um, artwork and we actually also had three 
incredible artworks that we had on loan from Maracu Arts in, um, in the Northern Territory, uh, which were from a rare collection of works from the Warburton community. Um, and we had those works in place uh, in a room that was recently furbished. And once we saw them in there, Sally and I pretty much just decided that we didn't want to give them back. So we folded these um, these two desires together to, um, to try and fundraise for what we called the First Nations Arts Initiative. Um, but we decided to really target that, um, that campaign to um, people who we thought would have an affinity with that. So it wasn't a public facing campaign. Um, it was, we asked current staff, we asked our residential fellows, we asked friends of the college that we knew might be interested in giving. And um, we were thrilled with the response. We, we actually managed to purchase all of those works. Um, just we raised the money uh, by March this year. And we're just about to launch those um, publicly, which is really exciting. Great, thanks, Minya. Um, so Sally, just going back to the app, um, it's a great example of uh, actually leveraging your internal resources with your current residents and helping them develop their skills and talents, um, as well as um, training them to be great alumni once they leave. What are the other ways in which you do that within the college? Um, I mean, that was a pretty unique opportunity. Uh, he, we actually employed um, that resident as, a, as an employee. Uh, so, I mean, it's not every day that we have someone that I'm fairly sure is going to work for Google, Google one day. Uh, but, and also, as Amelia mentioned, uh, we had Hope, uh, who's our advancement support officer, although she wasn't a current resident, it was only a, you know, a number of years out that we were then able to, she applied for the role. So that um, lived experience of, of being able to um, know the college inside out and then work for us meant that all of the posts are a lot more personal on our social media uh, and things like that. So, um, yeah, the app itself just allows us to know who's out there that we might actually be able to work with, uh, who has a connection. So, I'm, um, yeah, we, we invite lots of our alumni uh, for roundtables and things because that's, uh, if it's not the mentoring program, then it's inviting for roundtables where they come in and speak to 20 um, residents in an evening about their professional expertise because that usually opens up the world of how can we connect with each other to really work together to, to um, advance our, our goals and theirs. Yeah, terrific. And so in the midst of all this, Amelia, you made the decision you're going to leap into advancement. Um, can you tell us what prompted this radical career change? Yes, <laughs> I'd love to do that. Um, I think I just, I'll tell my backstory a little bit first. Um, I came to Bergman in February 2016 as the acting deputy principal. Um, uh, my first impressions of the college were how friendly everybody was. So the, the residents um, were really warm and, and spoke to me over lunch on my first, you know, my first moments um, at the college. The staff were amazing. Sally took me on a tour um, and, and talked about those values, you know, respect in inclusivity and egalitarianism. And it just felt and sounded like an incredible thing to be a part of. So um, my, my decision to come to Bergman was sort of based on the story that Bergman tells about itself. Uh, and my experience of that is that that story is true. So um, in preparing for today and also in preparing for the, um, the interview actually for the role of the Director of Advancement, 
um, I reflected on my experience as a staff member and um, what I think is that my experience as a staff member parallels the resident experience of the college. So during our interviews for um, intake for new residents, um, we ask our prospective residents, what is it that you want to contribute to the community? Um, and that's the same kind of question that was asked of me as a staff member. What's, what's my background? What's my lived experience? And what do I have to offer? What will I bring? Um, and I felt sincerely appreciated for all of the perspectives and knowledges that my background brings to the college. I'm a first in family, um, regional student, uh, et cetera. So it was an invitation for me to bring all of myself to work. Thank you, Sally. Um, and early on, I suggested, for example, I'd like to start working on a reconciliation action plan for the college. Um, and I put this forward because I trusted that I would be listened to. Um, and the RAP has then become a really important project for the college and a launch pad for a series of really important things um, that really are underpinned by our values, things like our New Beginnings Bursary, the First Nations Arts Initiative, um, and our Reconciliation Speaker Series. Um, but in terms of the move to advancement in particular, um, I think I was motivated mostly by this idea of just finding out what's possible. So, um, I'm, you know, I love the college um, and I have, and I'm just committed to, to it succeeding. And I learned so much from the work with Global Philanthropic um, and come to be really interested in, in fundraising and in alumni relations. I'd had a really positive experience with the alumni mentoring program and reaching out to our community in 2017 and having this phenomenal response, um, which was full of amazing stories of connection from people all over the world who were happy to contribute to the mentoring program. So um, for lots of reasons, um, I, I just felt really excited by the opportunity. Um, and I think I thought, uh, I know the college well and I want to stay and do the best possible work that I can for the college and it just felt like well, maybe this is the most valuable contribution um, that I can make and in turn um, that stands our residents in good stead. You know, we want to keep making it possible for our residents to go on and make their most valuable contributions in the world. Just need to be um, just a caution on the time. <laughs> just be mindful. Thank you. So sorry. Since um, since stepping into the role, Amelia, what have you what have you been your key learnings, and what are you what are you looking forward to to taking forward in this role? Um, I think the key learnings for me are that there's support there if you ask for it. So I'd heard that theory, but I hadn't put it into practice. And now that we've um, put our first appeal in place, um, it's just been really interesting um, to, to understand that. Um, I think the other thing I found is that the database is incredibly important. It is our best friend and we are going to care for it very, very dearly. Um, it's just um, so much better, for example, than a hard copy receipt book. Um, and then <laughs> the other thing I think is um, 
we do have a, a great story to tell and it's really important to to tell that story so my focus has really been on um, on connection and I think that's that's the best place for us to to start and to continue actually going forward well what a what a tremendous uh, story Amelia that's that's absolutely amazing we're so proud that you've made the jump <laughs> It's uh, it's marvelous, and to uh, to see such success um, so so early too. Um, that brings us, I think, to the to the end of our the formal part of our our presentation, which was intended to give you some um, well one college's journey um, along the way. I guess I would just like to to say a couple of things. Um, number one, um, thank you very very much to Amelia and Sally for this for for participating today and for the fruitful partnership that it's, it's been marvelous over the last several years. And also thank you to everyone who's uh, who's attended. And uh, we're not we're not quite finished. We'll do some questions now, but uh, but thank you all for for your attention. And I hope that you've been able to to gain something which is uh, which is relevant to your own own circumstances um, and some inspiration too from this uh, from this remarkable journey. So with that, I will ask: Are there any questions? I have a question. Sure. Um, with the Lost Alumni Project, um, I work at St. John's College in Sydney. Um, we're also embarking on a similar sort of project. And um, I was just wondering with the publishing of the uh, uh, details of the people who you were trying to get in touch with, how does that sort of work in terms of um, privacy and, and names and things? And it, or is that portal where those are published just available um, for alumni to view. So how does that work with that? <clears throat> Who would like sorry, to build a functional? Hmm. I'll answer that one. So that's not, so, so putting those lists of names with the year uh, that they were residents is not actually in, it's not against the privacy laws. So you, you're quite entitled to do that. Um, it's not sharing any other personal information other than um, the name and the year of residency and the other alumni who were resident at the same time as them will obviously already know that those people were resident at that time. So it's not an infringement of privacy. Um, it's a particularly good opportunity to do it when you're, when you're organizing something like a, a 50th anniversary or a major reunion, because obviously the people who are particularly keen to participate in the reunion are also very keen to ensure that you, that you help, that they help, you know, get, get you in touch with those other people. So, so the timing of that um, works really well. Yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar because uh, we have an association as well, and I know that a lot of them are in touch with other alumni who perhaps aren't registered on our portal. And if we could only get through those networks and spread the word uh, more and more, then we can get more people to register. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing that we're doing um, with the with the fiftieth anniversary back to Berg weekend is we'll actually, um, on the registration form, people are invited to indicate whether they're happy for their name to be published on the registration, on the registrant list. So, um, so Amelia will post a list of, of the people who've registered to come. And that's another great way of encouraging people to participate because obviously with reunions, people are always very concerned as to whether they'll know anybody if they come. Um, Sally, Amelia, do you want to make any comment on how that process went for the for the college? What was the feedback like from alumni that um, were lost and, and then found? Or um, I can make a, a brief comment just to say um, that 
Um, it's been really lovely to receive the updated details from, from members of our community. Um, in some, we, we asked in the process um, how people would like to or whether people would like to contribute or be involved in, in the community in any way. We asked people if they'd like to join as a, a BAM mentor, um, author an article for the journal, um, be involved in contributing to a roundtable or um, give a lecture, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, such a huge proportion of the responses that we have, have people have indicated that they would like to do, you know, one or more of those things. So, um, the process at our end now is actually just this lovely opportunity of following up with all those kind offers um, to make sure that we, um, you know, uh, honour that connection. Fantastic. I think we have time for one more question, if, if anybody. Oh, hello. Yes, it's uh, Hi, Sonia and Danny from Dishan College in Brisbane. Um, just had a question. You mentioned how important the database is, and I think that's probably the bane of many of our lives, um, maintaining uh, really good quality data. But just wondered if you used a particular software system or um, what kind of system you use to manage your, your data. Amelia, do you want to handle that? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, did some research a couple of years back with Global Support, and um, we ended up going with e-tapestry, uh, which is Blackboard, um, the, and we're really happy with it. I mean, I think um, getting to know any new database is quite a process and we still have our training wheels on, I've got to say, um, but it's, you know, it's just such a relief to not be working in, you know, multiple Excel spreadsheets or hard copy receipt books and things and to have all of that data there. Um, one of the things that I really love about eTapestry is um, any of the staff who are involved in communications with our alumni over email can immediately add communications to that person's file when you hit send on the email button. There's an add-in. And so, you know, Sally can see if I've been in touch recently with somebody or vice versa, for example, and that can be really helpful. I, I would add to that um, that we're e-tapestry was it was a selective process you you considered a number of options um after selection and implementation we've, we've put that database through some hoops haven't we <laughs> so we've uh, we've implemented a payment gateway we've we've linked it to the website directly um we've done a data cleansing um exercise so i think yeah i think it's performed really admirably actually it's been a, a good choice yeah our next hurdle will be if we can add um, our tie our events in. <laughs> yeah, well, but one of the nice things about going with a really um, uh, with a really well-known product with uh, like Blackboard is there's a huge amount of Googleable information too. Yeah, many, 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 many people have have walked the road before you, so it's uh, something to consider, um, Sonia, if you're uh, if you're making making some choices. Um, I think that that will bring us to the end of, of uh, our, our presentation. Thank you very much, everyone, for, for those questions. If you have any further questions, um, we would be happy, I think, as a, as a panel to, to, to field them by email. I think, Asana, you offered to, um, to coordinate all of that. So if you have any questions that, that come up, just shoot them through to, uh, to Sona, and um, she will send them to, uh, to us, and we'll get you, uh, get you an answer and get you some conversation happening by, uh, by email. 
So in conclusion, I think, um, thank you all once again. And um, Mandy, you wanted to, uh, to, to jump on now? I did, I did. Thank you so much. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mandy McFarland. I'm the Director of Advancement at St. Catherine's College, which is affiliated with the University of Western Australia. And we are about to open a second St. Catherine's College at Curtin University in January. So um, yeah, interesting times. Life is very, very busy at our college at the moment. Um, on the side of that, I've also been a member of the Educate Plus board for the last 10 years. And one of the best initiatives and the most successful initiatives has been this residential college program that we've been running for the last sort of, um, eight, actually our conversations began in 2019 with Nick and trying to put a proposal together of how we could actually make this work. We wanted to start a benchmarking um, exercise, particularly around fundraising. And we needed to create a little um, a working group around that, but also a community. And, and the residential college community is so amazing. We all learn from each other all the time. We don't really compete with each other in some instances because we are across states and, and different universities, different setups. So it was the ideal ground to, to establish this program. This is the fifth webinar we've run and we've run it across fundraising, alumni, um, some marketing stuff, um, and we'll continue to run those. But I just wanted to let you know that for the first time at this international conference, which is due to happen in Adelaide in September, we don't have just one, but we've got two dedicated sessions to residential college um, work and, and information. So for those of you COVID permitting, if the conference goes ahead, for those of you who haven't registered, I'd really suggest that you do. Um, there will be an online component as well um, post-conference, so we could, we could record some of those sessions. Um, and, then, and then lastly, I just wanted to let you know that we actually are working, the working group is going to convene um, actively in the next two months to put together the content of what we think would be in the, in the benchmarking study. Um, many of you have contacted me to say you'd like to be part of the working group. If you would like to, please do that. Uh, the more people we have, the better. We want to spread that across all the states because we all have different sort of um, environments in which we work. Um, so you can either contact me directly or contact Sona and, um, and we'll, we'll complete that. And I'm actually going to share that at the conference. I'm doing one of the sessions at the conference. So we'll share that and try and tweak it as much as possible in person. Um, but we'll continue to, to work on that for the remainder of the year and implementation in January next year or January, February next year. We want to roll that out so that literally by the middle of next year, we'll already have some data that we can start measuring. Um, and it'll help all of us. We all work in the same space and if we know what the benchmark is we can only we can only go better you know get better from there so um i really wanted to thank global um colin and nick and chanel who've been amazing in terms of partnering with educate plus on this initiative and then i just wanted to thank both amelia and sonia today and sally today for for their work and it's been so wonderful hearing your story and it's encouraging and for those of us who are just starting out or further down the track it's a good reminder of 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 the foundations that have to be built to make this successful. So um, that's it from me. I don't know if anybody has any questions right now. No, you're welcome to contact me separately if you'd like to. I'll be in touch anyway and I'll keep you updated. All the people who participated in the webinars have formed this little sort of network that we've created and I, I want to share with you what we're doing. So thank you again and thank you Sona for putting this all together. It's been terrific. So thank you very much. Thank you everyone. Have a lovely day.